Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction, and I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. We are now in about 53 different countries, and what this tells me is that there are a lot of people out there that want the message that my guests are giving, and that is the message of never giving up, the message of hope, the message that no matter what happens to you, as long as you have that thread of hope, you will get through. And not only do my guests get through, but they soar and they have become successful against all odds. And so I thank you listeners and I thank you my guests. You're what makes it all worthwhile. And also I thank everyone who has left reviews and comments and has subscribed to the show. It's so exciting and muchly appreciated. With me today is Shirley Letty. Shirley wrote her memoir, Naked in the Wind, which was a result of an unexpected battle that she had to fight. She was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was only 47 years old. Now that in itself is a traumatic fight, and I know that many of my guests have gone through this, and of course many listeners have as well. And it is a battle, it is a fight, and it is stressful, to, to say the least. But Shirley's experience didn't stop there. After her treatment, Shirley found herself in another seven-year-long battle, and that is what we are going to focus on today. Now, Shirley had an unstoppable determination to win her conflict with a drug company and doctors as she uncovered the truth about a little-known side effect of a cancer treatment drug. So I know I have your attention, and I know you are going to be very interested in what Shirley has to share with us today. Hi, Shirley. Hi, Carol. How about if we start with your diagnosis, because many people who have been diagnosed with cancer respond in different ways, of course. Tell us about how you responded, how you coped with it, what your coping skills were, etc. You know, what what happened when Shirley got the diagnosis? Well, it just, it was completely out of the blue. I was what I thought was a healthy 47-year-old woman. I had a a healthy diet. I was very active. I swam four times a week and I didn't smoke. I didn't know what else I could have done to, you know, been any healthier. 
Um, and then I started to struggle with my swimming sessions and I thought that I was perhaps just doing too much. I was quite competitive with myself. And then I started to get stabbing pains in one of my breasts and I put my hand up there when I had one of the pains and and I felt a lump and I just could not believe it. And I knew when I felt it that mm. I knew what it was. I knew straight away. I went straight to the doctors that day and I went for a mammogram and a scan and I could tell by the lady doing the scan that I knew she was just confirming what mm. I thought it was. And she said, you have to go back to your doctor very quickly. So I went back to him that night and he just looked away and I saw him swallowing and I thought, he just he's finding it hard to tell me. Yes, yes. And I said, it's cancer, isn't it? And he gulped again and he said, yes, yes, it is. So from there I went to see... Uh, a surgeon in the meantime I'd had a biopsy and everything and I had to go with the results to see the surgeon and he said right you have to have surgery chemotherapy radiotherapy and then five years of hormone treatment and the only word that stood out to me hearing all that was chemotherapy really I mean it's it's the one thing that we all dread having to have at some time in our life it's you know so that was the one word that really floored me but I came out there and I thought well he's given me hope he's told me that I have a good prognosis if if I go through all the treatment and he seemed very positive. And I I was scared, I was terrified, but I believed that I was going to be okay. And it you know, it was just several weeks, oh, well, about two weeks, and I had the surgery and that went fine, no problem. And then four weeks later I had to go and see the consultant before I started my chemotherapy. And I said to her, you know, I've been reading about this cold cap that you can wear so that you don't lose your hair or don't lose very much of it. Really? And I thought, oh, that's, you know, if I can have that. And she said, no, it's not an option with you because the, the drug, one of the drugs that you're going to have... It doesn't work with with the cold cap. So, did you say cold cap? We call it in Europe. We call it the cold cap. And what is I it supposed to do? It's a device that you wear. It's not supposed to be very comfortable, and I think quite a lot of people give up on it because it's so painful. Mm. It's literally an ice cap, and it prevents the chemotherapy from attacking the hair follicles so that you don't lose your hair okay 
But she said it wasn't an option for me because I was having taxatare. So a few days later, I went in for my uh, first chemotherapy session. It's terrifying. Um, My husband came with me. I always remember there was this little old Breton lady. I was living in Brittany in northern France at the time. And she must have been nearly 70 and she was sat in the chair next to me and she was swinging her legs and she was chatting away and she said, oh, I'm going to get back home now and, and milk the cows. <laughs> <laughs> and I, thought, I thought, oh, I hope I feel like that after I've had a few sessions. <laughs> well, that was inspiring, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, unfortunately, I just went home and threw up. <laughs> That's not funny. Sorry. No. <laughs> okay. So that was that was my first session out of six. After about two weeks, my hair started to come out, and funnily enough, it didn't really bother me. I, I think most women will probably admit to wondering what they would look like of without course. any hair. So. Because I knew it was going to grow back, it, it was a bit sort of liberating, really. Uh, because I was being sick a lot, I didn't have to worry about, you know, my hair being tied back. or sure, it was sure. A mess. So my daughter gave, cut my hair off. She gave me a bob, short bob. And then... After another week, the kids kept saying, oh, mum, I've got another hair in my dinner. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fed up of this. So I got my son to shave my head. And, uh, and it, it, was, it felt good. It was fine. I had no problem with it because I knew it was temporary. Right, right. And then I had uh, three of these sessions with this first cocktail containing three chemo drugs and then on my fourth session I had to have taxatare how do you spell that t-a-x-t-o taxatare I've forgotten oh okay (laughs) that's okay I just want because I know Uh, t-a-x-o-t-e-r-e so after the second lot of taxatare and I wasn't sick I uh, I didn't have any nausea or anything with taxatare so I, I felt you know I didn't feel quite so bad which is a bit ironic now barely but <laughs> um so anyway after the second one there was not a hair an eyelash an eyebrow there was nothing left no hair at all left on my body and my fingernails started to drop out. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so not only did you have the sort of steroidy chemo look, you were sort of walking around with the micropore tape mm-hmm. around at the end of all your fingers to protect you from catching these hanging off nails from being ripped out. And what's, what's going through your mind at this point? Are you feeling that you've been duped by the doctor or are you just thinking that you're special? Well, 
I every time I went to see him, I would say, you know, my, my nails are dropping out. Is this normal? <laughs> and he would say, oh, well, uh, there is some nail change that normally happens. And I said, yeah, but they're actually dropping out. And he kind of looked a bit as if to say, oh, that's a bit <laughs> unusual. And so it, it sounds worse than it actually is. It, it wasn't that, you know, bad. It wasn't really painful. Only if you caught them. Right. So then I went for my last taxatare and he said to me, oh, I said to him, I'm really excited. My hair's starting to grow back and it was all starting to show. It was like I had this buzz cut and I was really excited. <laughs> and he said, please don't get too excited. Don't get carried away because it will all come out again when you have your last, your third one. Really? Yeah, and I'm like pulling it saying, no, 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 it, it's, it's going to be fine. Anyway, it did. It all came out again after the third one. And then I had to wait a few weeks, can't really remember now, maybe a month or two, before I started my radiotherapy. I still had no hair and I was sat there in the waiting room one day, waiting for my turn to be called in for my radiotherapy. And I noticed that all the other women there, nobody else had um, scarves on. They all had thick buzz cuts. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm just, you know, earlier on than that. Maybe they're just about finishing. Right. That day I noticed this and I, I went in and I said, look, everybody else has got hair out there in the waiting room. What's, <laughs> you know? And he looked at mine and he had a bit of a puzzled expression and I thought, oh. And he said, well, you usually have more than this by, at this stage but yours is obviously just, you know, a bit slower than most. So I thought, all right, okay, fine. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, he's looking at it again, a little bit more puzzled and a little bit more concerned. Really? And I thought, hmm, I don't like the look on his face today. No kidding. I didn't have to see him then for, I don't know, about a month. And each day I'd look in the mirror and I'd think, when is it going to start growing back? I would count the individual hairs and I think, you know, I probably had about 10 all dotted around randomly. So, so the next appointment, he said to me, look, um, we've never actually seen it being this late grown back before. I'm going to call the drug company. And I still, you know, I, I wasn't too worried because I'd never heard of, <clears throat> of this problem before. So I just thought it was, you know, it was going to grow back. But you know, when? <laughs> so I didn't see him then for a while and my next appointment, I was waiting to see the 
um, consultant. And he walked by me in the waiting room and came over to me and he said, come over here. And he, he took me to the side room and he said, look, I've phoned the drug company, Sanofi Aventis, and I've told them about your hair or lack of it. And they've said that okay, very rarely this happens and they're very sorry it's happened to you. You're the third or fourth person oh in the world that this has happened to and it's not going to come back. Really? And just was, like that? Just like that. And I just, I, I couldn't hear anything else that he said. I just, it floored me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, Carol. And I went to, he made me go and sit back down in the waiting room and I had to go in and see the consultant. And I can't remember any of, I haven't a clue what she said. I didn't, I wasn't aware were, of, of anything. You shock. Total shock. I just wanted to get home. And I had a medical taxi waiting to take me home. And it was the usual taxi driver who was very friendly. And he, he used to like to talk. And I was sat in the back and I did not want to speak to him. I just wanted to be with mm-hmm. my thoughts and try and make sense of what he just said. I, I, you know. Anyway, eventually I got home and I walked in the house and I just broke down. And really that's the first time that I'd cried really since being mm. diagnosed. The realisation was overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And then the next day I went into denial they've got this wrong my hair is going to grow back and I will find something to make it grow back and that's when my search for other people with this problem began and it was only sort of a couple of days later that I found my friend Pam who sadly passed away a few months ago and she was from Oklahoma and she was a very fiery lady. Uh, she was brilliant. Um, we chatted for hours about our problem. And after a few days, we were like, this got, if, if there's three or four people in the world and we've found each other, <laughs> then there is another two people out there. <laughs> waiting to be found let's find them right so that we made it our mission to find these other two people and sadly we uncovered that it was widespread hundreds if not thousands of women suffering from this problem and our our support group was born that was its really our support group, yes. And ten years later, it's full of ladies from uh, America, Canada, Australia, the UK, um, Hungary, India, Brazil. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let's let's back up a little bit. Okay. Um, now, you're sharing what you went through. Uh, was anger part of that? That was at the foremost okay. to start with, yes. And anger. did the support group help you with that? Or did it make it more pronounced? Well, I think it probably made it more pronounced because we used to rant and rave to each other. And... It, and it, Everybody had the same drug? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, we just used to, you know, talk about how how they could do this to us, how we couldn't be warned. We had to give informed consent for for our treatment. And how could we give? informed consent when they were keeping when they were holding back right. information that was going to affect the rest of our lives we had a right to know not only as patients but as human beings we had a right to be told that this was a possible side effect it wasn't up to the doctors or some administration staff at some drug company that decided whether they think it's important enough to tell us or not. It Mm -hmm. wasn't their choice. We should have had the choice. And there was actually another drug, another taxane, it's called Taxol, which is as good as, if not better, more efficient than Taxotere, and it doesn't cause this problem. Oh, you're kidding me. No, but oh. obviously it wasn't by Sanofi Aventis. It was a different drug company. And it is administered once a week, not once every three weeks. So obviously this is not great for the hospitals and the staff. But it can, you know, it can stop a woman from having to live with this for the rest of their lives. Exactly. Now, were all the stories in, like that you received in the support group, were they basically all the same? Were, were yes. they were not, the doctors were not aware that this would happen? Or do you feel that they were aware and just didn't share that with you? It was, I think it was a combination of both. Okay. I think that the oncologists, most of them should have been aware of it because... You know, if you're giving out a new drug, it's up to, it's your responsibility to keep up to date with reported problems with it. So they, you know, they they do have a responsibility to know to right. keep up to date with this, and and also it was, you know, the the drug company were very happy to sort of keep these reports you know quiet and well that's that's all coming out in the wash at the moment in America but uh you know it was a combination I think I mean we had two ladies in our support group and they after we were talking about things one day they they said, oh, they were talking to each other and they said, where did you have your treatment? And they, had, they found out that they, they had their treatment at the same clinic. 
really? and they were treated by the same oncologist and he told them both he had never seen or heard of it before no that's a scandal in itself Exactly. So have you done anything to, like, have you gone back and addressed that with him? Or has anybody? Well, I don't know what these particular ladies have done, but some some people have uh, filed suits against their, lawsuits against their uh, doctors and, and everything. But it, it's We've got one member from Germany. Uh, we've got two members from Germany, I think. And she has just won her case second time round against her clinic. Really? Yes, and she's just won. And that so that's was fantastic that, news. So that was, she sued for um, them not telling her? Yes, all, all kinds of all kinds of things like that. But the... I think it's, you know, a lot of our members don't like to... Ruffle the feathers? Yeah, they're oncologists because they (laughs) still have to see them. Right. They still have to go. Some of them have changed their oncologists, but a lot of them like to believe that theirs didn't know. Okay. And they still see them for treatment. So we're not sure who actually knew and who didn't. Has anybody gone after the drug company itself? Well, I did. And what uh, happened? In France, and I lost. You lost? Yes, I lost. And On what grounds? That the information was out there, and it mm. was my consultant. It was her... It should have been her sat there okay. in the courtroom, okay. not the drug company. And, but in America now, it's it's changed, and there are lawsuits being filed against the drug company, and it's withholding, you know, information, um, and all this related right. stuff. And have did your nails ever grow back? Yes, they did. Okay, all right. <laughs> and do the other women that, um, like in your support group, they all have similar, or are there other side effects that possibly didn't affect you that affected them? A lot of them had nerve damage in the ends of their okay. fingers and feet. Really? Yes. And... Uh, a lot of them lost their nails also. Mm-hmm. I think on the product information, I think it just calls it nail changes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes, and that's how they cover, that's how they cover themselves. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So what are you doing to bring awareness? You have a website. Yes. Which is uh, your support group, I'm assuming. Yes, Cynthia, she she paid for this website, it must be seven or eight years ago now, and we have that now, it's um, www. 
um, aheadofourtime.org. And now we, we fund it as a group. We have a, an active committee. Um, we have a, a thriving global community in our group. And it's, it's helped. It's helped everybody. In the meantime, the drug is still being used. Yes, it is. Yes. I don't know if what's happening in America now will change that. I don't know. So tell us about your books. Now, obviously, your memoir, as I mentioned in the beginning, came as a result of what happened to you. So tell us about your book. Is it your story before and after? Is it a self-help, like how to, um, maybe some ideas of of how to avoid this happening to you? Or or what, what is the thrust of your memoir? I struggled with this. I struggled to live with this for seven or eight years. And I know it drove my family mad. It drove them insane, but they, they put up with it. I was totally obsessed. I would okay. live, I lived, breathed, at, you know, dreamt uh, the group and getting revenge I, you know, I did a few idiotic, impulsive things <laughs> that uh, are a little bit embarrassing uh, now, but I don't regret any, any of it. I was frustrated. Nobody would listen to me. I was... Why do you think? Because they didn't want... Doctors didn't want to have to tell their patients... And one day, I remember I went to see my consultant and she said, she sort of gesticulated to my head and said, all this has made my life very difficult now. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she says, because now I've seen it with you, I've seen it happen. I now have to inform my ladies that it might happen. Oh, my goodness. How sad. Uh, and she says, she says, and they won't want to have the drug. Oh. And I, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. How did you respond? I, well, I, I can't actually remember what I said. I was just dumbfounded. I, you know, oh, it's just that this is what, you know, we're up against. And they all seem to have the same attitude, you know, mindset and mm-hmm. attitude mm-hmm. that... We, they cure you of your, hopefully cure you, you're in full remission, how you go and live your life now. And, you know, it's not as easy as that, <laughs> especially when your head looks like a, a cross between a, an orangutan and a, a toilet brush. You know, you get the idea. Yes. <laughs> That's how That's it looks. That's a good analogy. Yes. Mm. So where are so, you at now? I was just going along in this haze of anger and, you know, wanting revenge. And I think it just happened. I just, it was the right time for me to, for it all to just, for me to accept it all. I was, we went on holiday, we used to go to this, the same resort in Turkey every year 
and I felt very comfortable there, but you know, I always wore a, a wig or headscarf. And one morning I thought, oh, I'm going to go to the early morning yoga session and give it a go. So I went, I felt amazing. And I felt as though I loved myself again. And I felt as though I didn't care what people thought. And the, the yoga teacher, she was from the Philippines. And she, was, she just had this soothing voice. And she was just incredible. And I just felt like me again. And I, I left that holiday feeling cured. And when I got home, I, I wanted it to carry on. And I carried on doing yoga and meditation. She taught me how to do this. And I think it was a, just a case of me being in the right place at the right time and being open to what she was offering me. Mm-hmm. And it sounds corny, <laughs> cheesy, but it was kind of like, you know, an epiphany and it was, that's how it was. And I, I, I decided then that I was going to write a book and tell my, this was the final thing that I was going to do and then I was going to move on. Okay. And so, so I wrote my book. Would, this is the book Naked in the Wind? Yes. And what's the full title of that again? It's Naked in the Wind, Chemo hair loss and deceit and this is your initial story yes now you have two other books what are they they are short travelogues one my first one when I visited Israel and then I just released my my second travelogue a few weeks ago and that's Mischief in Manhattan. My five days in New York with the girls. (laughs) Okay. All right. So it's a totally different, uh, different type of book. They're travel logs. Okay. And I'm sure you're thankful that you're able to do that considering what you went through. (laughs) But we were focusing today, of course, on the story. Now, as, um, one of the things that I would like to do would be, of course, to link that website that you mentioned with your interview, if that's okay. Yes, that would be wonderful. And then, um, you know, with that word out there, the drug tax, how is it pronounced again? Taxoter? Taxoter. Taxoter. Yes. Just taking the opportunity to bring more awareness and hopefully preventing some women from having to go through what you and multitudes of others have had to go through. And I think you also hit the nail on the head in your title of your book when you said deceit. I have um, interviewed a few people on this show, plus we all have know people with stories who go to their doctors, putting their total trust in them, especially when their life is at stake. 
You have to trust them. Exactly. You have you are given no choice. That's exactly it. And so that's where all these emotions come from when you feel that you have been lied to, when you lose that trust, when you feel you've been duped, you feel um, frustrated and anger and everything, and what can you do? So this type of book hopefully will bring some awareness, will help women in both support and some guidance as what they can do so that this doesn't happen to them. And I thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you can think of along those lines that you would like to share with the listeners? Well, you know, the psychological damage is immense to the women in the group. And the, the common theme, I asked, I asked a few of them what the group meant to them. Um, is it all right if I if I read a couple of these? Absolutely. Yeah, um, I asked them what they you know what the group meant to them because it's coming up for its ten year birthday. Wow. Yeah, we will have a virtual party, <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, um, everybody said that they felt alone with this problem. They were mm. made to feel they were a freak. Mm. They were. You know, they felt alone. Nobody understands how they actually feel, apart from the other women in the group. One lady says, when I found this group in 2009, I knew I wasn't crazy, that I was not alone. I have been grateful for the support and love I've felt from all over the world who share this same permanent hair loss. Another lady says... I'm not a freak. I felt that I wasn't a freak. Um, and another one, had I thought I was the only one with this disfiguring issue, uh, I'm not sure how I would have handled it long term. And it's just, you know, they all, they all, we all thought that we were alone in this. Right. And to, I've had emails from people that, that have had, you know, they they found my my book, mm-hmm. and they've their mother or their sister are having to have this drug, this taxotere. Okay, and they're they're worried about, you know, they don't know whether to share the information with their loved ones because they want them to live. Obviously, of they course. want them to yes. live, and they don't know whether to burden them with this with this added prob, you know potential mm, problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and I just you know I've had so many emails from people it's been amazing really and it's been sad it's very sad because at the end of the day we all want to you know live we mm-hmm. all want to enjoy the rest of our lives and we we have to trust our doctors, and we just want the truth. We want to be told of the potential side effects. We it's up to us, as patients and women, to to give our you know our consent and to ask questions 
and to decide what is right for us. That's correct. That's it in a nutshell right there. Not being given the opportunity to make that decision is probably huge in the anger department. Yes, especially when there's another drug out there. That, yes, exactly. You know. Now, is there, do you have a motto or a quote that has helped you through this whole process that is near and dear to your heart that you might want to share? Anything in particular? During the seven or eight years that I struggled, um, nothing helped. Absolutely nothing. But since I overcame, since I've worked through it, um, that I can relate to it now, and and I strongly believe in this, and it's, if we could see the miracle of a single flower clearly, our whole life would change. That opens up a whole other subject. <laughs> it's yes. called positive attitude and looking at things from a positive perspective and not letting the negatives in the world control you because that's when, you, when you're so frustrated, that's what happens, doesn't it? Yes. And getting to the other side is, is a major feat that we have to overcome so well I thank you Shirley for sharing that and we definitely will get this message out there and everybody knows somebody yes and it's you if we can help one person I know that that is I can hear it in your voice that that is your motivation oh absolutely that, that is your goal and the more that we can get this out there the more people we can help so I thank you I appreciate appreciate what you've shared and on the show notes, all this information will be there, including links to your support group and your books. And we wish you well. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to do this interview, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.